Welcome to the Into AI Safety podcast, where we document my shift to a career in AI safety. This show aims to serve as a mentorship proxy for those getting into the field, and a mentorship amplifier for our guests and myself. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Haynes. everyone, today we're going to be talking about portfolios. First, when I say portfolio, what does that even mean? Specifically, I am thinking of a personal website that you use to post examples of your work. This website can then be added to your professional social media platforms like LinkedIn or even Twitter. Before I get into my thoughts on portfolios, I would like to address the why of portfolios themselves. According to the article, From Portfolio to ePortfolio, The Evolution of Portfolio in Higher Education, which was authored by Orna Farrell and published in the Journal of Interactive Media in Education in 2020, the modern portfolio can be traced back to Renaissance Italy, when artists and architects kept loose examples of their work in folders. Think of the notebooks of Leonardo da Vinci, which were bound from loose folios after his death. In this context, they were used as an exemplification of the artist's work. What better way to back up the claim that your work is good than by providing examples of your work? A modern professional portfolio website has the same fundamental purpose, to demonstrate your value and competence such that a reviewer can have high confidence in your ability to accomplish their tasks. It is important to view things through this lens when developing your portfolio as it will provide context when making key decisions like what to include or how much time to allocate to different portions of the site. In addition to this core motivation, portfolios are inherently multimedia and allow for substantial design freedom, which are two traits that no other application input has. We can use these aspects to our advantage in order to maximize our chances in any application process. First, we have to decide what we are going to showcase in the portfolio. Although the items that you want to highlight are going to be largely dependent on exactly what you're applying for, I don't think that there is much downside in including as much high-quality work as possible. This can take many forms, and just to get your ideas flowing, here are some examples. Polished coursework that you are proud of, such as reports and final projects. Collections of blog and or forum posts published journal and conference papers, software demos, GitHub repositories, professional projects and accomplishments, infographics, primers, and tutorials. Accompanying each of these items should be a brief paragraph describing context for the project, chiefly what problem the work was solving, or why you engaged with it, especially if it was independent. By doing this, you are providing a reviewer with insight into your thought process, which is one of the best ways to build confidence in your work. In addition, in the case of independent work, you are signaling to these assessors that you take initiative, which is in general an important and desirable trait. I know some people who were cautious to share some of their work in this manner, primarily motivated by the worry that someone would read it and think, this work is naive. Personally, however, I think that if you frame your work in a way that clearly articulates why you did it, the actual work itself is not as important. 
Of course, it is important to have exemplary work readily available as well, but most of the items in your portfolio serve to build confidence in your character and process. Along these same lines, it isn't bad to include an unfinished version of certain work on your site. Just be sure to clearly tag it as a draft or work in progress. As a final note on the kind of content to include, don't be afraid to document difficulties that you experience during your work, provided that you also discuss your response and solution to that problem. Sharing how you address challenges is another way to set yourself apart from others. For each item that you choose to include in your portfolio, try to find at least one relevant image. Diagrams, plots, renderings, and screenshots are all fair game here. This is super important because images break up the monotony of written text and they make your site look way more interesting and polished overall. Similarly, if you have other multimedia work, include that as much as possible. When working with visuals, I generally rely on GIMP, or the GNU Image Manipulation Program, which is a free open source image editor. Although it does have a little bit of a steep learning curve, I have found that the time that I put into learning the software has been worthwhile because I've used it for many different projects. One thing that I think people in technical roles often overlook is the value of having a good-looking website. To motivate you, think of the website itself as a signaling opportunity. By having a visually appealing and approachable website, you are demonstrating that when it is important to get people to take notice, you can do the work required to make that happen. One other thing to mention that every portfolio should have is an about page. You should mention your credentials, of course, and you can link to your resume here as well. But what's more important is to talk about what you want out of your next role and what motivates you when working. This about page is also the place that reviewers are going to go when they want to learn more about who you are. That means that including details that are less work-related, for example, what you do in your free time or what your favorite bands are, is definitely something that you can and should do on this page. In addition to these more general thoughts on designing your portfolio, I also wanted to mention some of the tools that I have used to create my own professional portfolio along with why they were valuable to me. As I have stated before in other podcasts, I think that it is incredibly useful to leverage popular wisdom when searching for tools and apps. My personal go-to for this is Alternative2.net, which has crowdsourced recommendations for all sorts of apps, including website builders and web hosting services. When I was reviewing potential site generators and hosting platforms, I prioritized the speed at which I could get a site on the web that also looked presentable, which was largely because I wanted to get some applications in, and thought that the portfolio would be helpful for my chances. I also limited my search to free options, since I didn't want to be continually paying for my portfolio website. Based on these criteria, I opted for Jekyll, which is, at this point, a relatively old static site generator. One of the deciding factors for me were the Jekyll templates that are made openly available by their designers. Not only do these templates make your site look better than they would have, but they also streamline use and in many cases, have a large collection of documentation and tutorials. Specifically, I chose to use a Jekyll template called Minimal Mistakes, designed by Michael Rose. Because GitHub Pages integrates very well with Jekyll, that is where I decided to host my website. 
In all of my recent applications, from fellowships to grants to full-time positions, there has been a field that includes personal websites. If you are applying for anything in the near future, I would strongly consider creating a professional portfolio. That's it for my thoughts on portfolios, but I wanted to take a second to talk about the future of these minisodes. As I have done more of them, I've realized that they actually take quite a bit of time, because I want to write out the script for them and make sure that it is well-sourced and has meaningful information in it. In addition, it's hard to know what's going to be the most valuable to you guys, my listeners. As a result, I am going to move away from the more advice-based minisodes towards a paper review approach. At least at first. I guess we'll see how this goes, and if people are liking it, then I'll keep doing it, and if not, I'll try something different. Speaking of your opinions on the episodes and the style of this podcast, please let me know, regardless of whether you think it's good or bad. Incorporating feedback is one of the best ways to improve, so it's important to me that I understand what my viewers are liking and what they aren't liking. You can email me at intoaisafety at gmail.com or fill out the anonymous feedback form found on the Into AI Safety podcast website, which is into-ai-safety.github.io. Well, see you next time.